Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is on a well-deserved break this week. So sitting in uh, is Bernie along with Sadie taking your calls this morning. If there's anything you want to share with us, 1850-333-103, we would love to hear from you. Already texts coming in, including a text in to say, congratulations, Patricia, on Tipperary's win yesterday. I was absolutely delighted considering how long it has been since they've been Munster champions and also the fact that it was the anniversary of the bloody sun of the 100th anniversary of the bloody Sunday massacre and that signed Mary a Cork woman and Mary I take it it isn't often that you'd be congratulating the other side when Cork uh, lose and I always hate when Cork have to play Tipperary I have such divided loyalties at the matches but I have to say for Tipperary and I think you're right I think particularly the fact that it was the 100th anniversary of the bloody Sunday massacre and the fact that the Tipperary boys tugged out in the old style jersey that was worn a hundred years ago and on the sleeve of their jersey was the picture of Michael Hogan, the member of the Tipperary team who was killed on that day and there was something very almost emotional I feel about all of that and whether that gave them fire in their belly on the day I don't know and it was 85 years uh, since they have won in uh, Munster so I suppose for that reason if nothing else it was a well deserved win for them but commiserations uh, to uh, Cork Uh, but thank you uh, Mary for your text and while all that was going on, we had the scenes on Saturday night of the hundreds of people flocking into Cork City Centre. Some of the reports were at one stage that there was over a thousand people in and around the city centre. Now, we are going to be discussing it this morning on the programme. Uh, Joe Cavanagh, the Cork City Mayor, is going to be joining us. But I welcome your thoughts because I'm assuming everybody's seen the video footage. I couldn't believe when I started seeing it trickling through on Saturday night. My initial reaction when I saw it first was, they're the scenes from last Saturday, surely, because this day last week we were talking about scenes in Cork City on the previous Saturday and also in Dublin there had been scenes. And then we know across last week when I got spoken about and certainly on Friday we had mentioned there was going to be extra guard the presence around the city centre areas to make sure that there wasn't a repeat of what happened the previous Saturday. So when I firstly saw it pop up on 
my news feed, I might reaction was that's last week's and then when I looked at it it goes oh god it's not it's tonight I was actually looking at something that had happened in in about the previous half an hour I think at that stage and it really was worse I think it looked like certainly the video footage looked worse this Saturday than it was the previous Saturday and I know the Gardaí were there and I know uh, some people were arrested in that and um, there was some juvenile sent for the the juvenile um, diversion programme which proves that there was under 18s out on the streets as well but then I saw one public in his quote in the papers today is saying that when you force people to squeeze all of their socialising for Christmas into a week or a two week run which is what it's looking like it's going to be uh, is there then the risk of causing large crowds to congregate so if the pubs and are the restaurants were open would we not be seeing scenes like that and is it the case that it's young people are are doing what young people do. Young people want to socialise. We're constantly hearing what young people are missing out on because of this pandemic. And if we don't give them outlets in which to socialise, they're told they can't congregate in people's houses. They're told not to have house parties. So they're deciding instead, well, we're told we can go outside to meet friends. Well, you can go outside to meet one friend, I think. So are people saying, sure, why not go into the city centre and there's a bit of atmosphere and the lights are on in the city? You know, why not go and, and meet up with our friends there? But it's the danger. If there was somebody in the midst of it who had COVID-19, is there a danger then that everyone that they socialise with, are they all going to bring it back to their own houses? We're desperately trying to get the numbers down so that we can have some kind of a Christmas I'm very slow to say some kind of a normal Christmas because I don't think this Christmas is going to be anything like a normal Christmas. But anyway, your thoughts on what went on on Cork City. Have you an understanding that it's just young people doing what young people do? They want to meet up with their friends and maybe we should be looking to open up some of the restaurants or some of the pubs so that they have an outlet to go to. Your thoughts welcomed on that, 1850-333-103. And the government is drafting plans to keep restaurants opened permanently once the lockdown comes uh, to an end and we are now where we're looking like we're into the final week of the lockdown. But according to a lot of the papers today, wet pubs may be sacrificed to keep restaurants and the gastropubs open in the long term. And you remember the nine euro substantial meal rule that had to be served? It looks like that's been reviewed and it may be ditched in favour of new regulations for businesses serving food and uh, alcohol. About 500 restaurants, bars and hotels have written an open letter to the Taoiseach Michal Martin demanding clarity ahead of the lockdown exit. And the lockdown exit, of course, is due to happen on the 1st of December. And in the letter that was sent to the Taoiseach, they say the failure to provide certainty around decisions must stop. The restaurants say we need clear plans that our sector can follow. They say there is no good reason for Ireland to continue to be treated as an outlier in the EU, where for the most part, the hospitality sector has and is treated fairly in that most European countries, even in the strictest of lockdowns, have allowed some kind of activity to go on in restaurants. Not all of them, but many of them have. So the restaurants are saying, look, we need clarity, we need certainty. And certainly they need, I think, they need the information sooner rather than later because the very nature of a restaurant, you can't say to the restaurant industry, okay, you're good to go from tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. I mean, restaurants simply won't be able to just suddenly open their doors. They need to have some kind of a lead in uh, to it. And it seems the leaders of the three coalition parties are all going to meet today 
to discuss how we exit this level five in the lockdown. The Cabinet will then meet again tomorrow to discuss moving out of level five and into level three restrictions. That will be ahead of NEFET issuing their advice. Now, NEFET don't issue their advice until next Thursday. Then there'll be a second Cabinet meeting on Friday and that's the meeting where they'll sign off on plans for living with the coronavirus and it's expected that there will be a number of grades of restrictions within Level 3 throughout the month of December and there's been much speculation about this because of course under Level 3 you are you have to remain within your own county. Now, we will be allowed to travel outside the five kilometre rule that we're currently living under, but we will be allowed to move within our county. But the government, what they're saying is that they're going to give priority, firstly, to allowing retailers to open at the start of December. Then they that will be followed by allowing people to travel within Ireland to see their families for Christmas. And then the third objective is to permit the hospitality sector to open safely. So there's three different strands uh, to it. So So it does look like that's the way they're going to do it. We'll go to level three, but it won't just be blanket level three from the 1st of December. Within that, there will be some tweaks. And I imagine what it's going to be the week of Christmas, maybe the two weeks before Christmas, people will be allowed to travel outside of their county because obviously we've got people living in Cork who are originally from Donegal. We've got people in Clare who are originally from Limerick. We've got people in Dublin. Goodness me, there's people from all counties in Ireland living in Dublin who traditionally would return and want to return home uh, for Christmas. But under level three, if you're to stick with level three restrictions, then you can't leave the county in which you're currently living and working in. So people wouldn't be able to come for Christmas. So, so definitely that's on the cards. But as to the dates and the timelines and how much time you'll have to be allowed to travel around the country, they're all, that's what's going to be worked on this week with the series of meetings. And then Neffet on Thursday, their recommendations are the ones I'm assuming that the government will really take on board. Then they'll have the final meeting on Friday morning uh, or sometime on Friday and then sometime on Friday and I know we'll be here on Friday trying to put an email through to the Taoiseach's office saying any indication as to the time that the Taoiseach will will address the nation and let everybody know what is the plan but certainly the Restaurant Association are saying to the government and to the Taoiseach you need to give us as much time as possible. You can't just suddenly announce you're going to be open uh, tomorrow. So they need as much of a lead in as they possibly can. So your thoughts on what way it's all going to uh, to go. Are you happy with this idea that the restaurants would open, but it would be at the expense? What will be sacrificed is the wet pubs. The wet pubs is looking like they will remain uh, closed. And w- would you feel comfortable with just that one week over Christmas where people are allowed to travel all over the country if that's what they want to do to get home for Christmas and then you will go back into level three whereby you stay within your own uh, county. 1850 We've got Sadie and Bernie taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103103. Some of your texts and comments coming into uh, the programme. Firstly, on the match yesterday, Mick from West Cork says, well done to the Cork footballers for 2020. Any year we knock Kerry out of the All-Ireland is a great year. Management and panel should stick with it. The future looks good. Moving along nicely. 11 wins out of 12. That's a good result. That's a good positive text. Thank you. That's Mick in West Cork. Hope you're keeping well, Mick. Thank you for that. Um, the scenes that we witnessed in 
Cork City on Saturday night. A listener says, same rubbish every Monday. We re-crowds in Cork City every weekend. What stupid people. I've got a family member who got COVID five weeks ago who was doing all of the right things and still managed to pick up uh, COVID. Even now their energy is nil. Will those stupid people ever cop on? We can have a nice Christmas by just being at home for one year. And, and that's a good point at the end of the day. It's for one year we've been asked to make this, these sacrifices. And if we make it for one year, It'll be, so we'll all be together, please God, for many, many more years uh, to come. Hi, Patricia. Up tip on the match yesterday. On the subject of seeing family over Christmas, if the government only gave us one week of freedom, will that not make things worse? Everyone is going to be out on the roads together. If nothing else, would it not cause severe traffic chaos on our roads? Hi, Patricia. Open up the whole of the country, says this texter. Masks are not working as the virus is still with us. People have enough of this lockdown. And Tim said those young people are people of any age who were socialising over the weekend are nothing but thick and selfish. And may God help us if any of those should have anything to do with the running of the country in the future. There's no excuse for what they did and continue to do. Keep the country in lockdown until this virus is under control. That's from Tim. And Gat at our Twitter feed at C103 Cork says lockdown level five is actually level three with some extra bits really. If we are not careful we'll create the same level of confusion that they have in the United Kingdom and look how well that's going for them. It's either level three or it's not level three. Not everyone remembers there is access to chopped up and added bits and there is the danger that when they come out with the messaging this week which we'll have to wait until Friday if there's a confused message and that's the one thing that they need to make sure is that it isn't a confused message because I think all of the experts accept that at the very start when we went into lockdown when coronavirus was at its very worst at the height of the first wave back in March into April it was a very clear concise message we were getting we knew exactly what was opened what wasn't opened what we were allowed to do what we weren't allowed to do how far we were allowed to travel and how far we couldn't uh, travel and since then it does seem that there's been a bit of confused messaging people don't quite know can I do that if I deem that essential is it okay so I think Gat is right whatever message comes out on Friday and whatever they decide to do we know we will be exiting level 5 but they just need to make sure that the message and whatever level we're moving into that everybody understands this is what we need to do and then we need to get the message across to everyone that we all need to do it together. 1850 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 And just some reaction to Mick from Cork, from West Cork yesterday on the match yesterday and he was saying well done to the Cork footballers of uh, 2020 and he made the point that any year we not carry out of an All-Ireland is a great year. Pat says, uh, hi uh, Trish, what planet is Mick from West Cork on? Who did Cork beat in Division 3? The big chance they had for silverware, they lost uh, They lost it. That's from Pat. And then this, this one, Alistair says, as Tomas O'Shea said yesterday, beating Kerry isn't much good if you can't back it up 
And guess what? They couldn't. And that signed a Kerry woman. 1850 Now, a ban on visiting loved ones in nursing homes may be eased for Christmas. That's according to the HSC. Last week, Dr. Colm Henry, who is the Chief Clinical Officer with the HSC, said that regardless of the level of restrictions, they would find a way to facilitate Christmas visits. Tyg Daly is the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland and Tyg joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Tyg. Good morning, Patricia. Now, with that statement from Dr. Colm Henry, um, will that come as a huge relief to families and residents of nursing homes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in the first instance, it's important to say that, you know, there, there, there are visits being facilitated under critical and compassionate grounds all through. But yes, all of us are working, I can assure you, very, very hard uh, ourselves in Nursing Homes Ireland with the, the Health Protection Surveillance Centre on, I suppose, guidance to get us through the, the Christmas period. I mean, Christmas is a special time in every, in every household. Uh, nursing homes are no different. Uh, and we're, we're, I suppose, pulling out all the stops, if you like, and, and exploring all of the options. Uh, to ensure that we can facilitate uh, safe visits over over the Christmas period. What impact, though, is no visiting having on residents? Yeah, look, it's, it's very significant. Uh, I was on your programme many months ago talking about the introduction of, of visitor restrictions, and I used the words that, that, you know, such moves were done with a very, very heavy heart um, because clearly, you know, all of us, we're all social animals, and uh, uh, we need, you know, the contact with our, with our family members. In the early part of, of, of COVID, you know, nursing homes had taken a lot of proactive measures, uh, you know, around technology and being creative. Then we had outdoor and win, uh, window visits. And that, that's still happening. You know, I've seen nursing homes recently right across uh, Cork City and County and beyond, you know, introducing visitor areas with heated areas, for example. But I suppose there is, you know, the, the lack of, of, of contact with family uh, can be challenging for, for, for residents. And that's what we're trying to, uh, I suppose, address, basically, uh, in this. No, it, it, unfortunately, it won't be back to uh, open visiting. Uh, you know, it'll be scheduled, um, you know, controlled to a degree. And, um, you know, in the first instance, I suppose, what we're looking at is that there would be a key visitor. So, you know, each family would have at least one individual that they would nominate that would become, uh, you know, possibly a weekly visit uh, to their family member in a nursing home. So That's hard on families, isn't it? To, to, it is. I mean, if you've got a family with six... Yes, five ch- or six siblings, yes. And yes. who makes the decision? Who's going to be the one to visit Mammy? Yeah, well, look, it, look it is. And it, look, the whole COVID experience has been challenging right across uh, society for all of us. Uh, and, you know, your programme and others have covered it very well that, you know, older people have, have, have struggled. Um, you know, we had the cocooning, we have people in their own homes obviously not being able to get out. Um, I suppose we'd like to think that in the nursing home sector, you know, we're trying to keep the, you know, sense of normality in, in the midst of all uh, this, this particular challenge because, you know, the activities still go on, um, you know, people still can cocoon within the, within the home and meet their, their other friends within the nursing home. Uh, yeah, but clearly... Uh, with high levels of community transmission, we need to be uh, obviously uber careful in, in terms of introducing COVID into a nursing home. So, you know, it is on the one hand balancing the risk of COVID, and, and that's a huge, huge risk as we know it hasn't gone away, but also balancing that with, I suppose, the well-being uh, of, of, of residents. That's what it's all about. And in fairness, staff really are trying to do their best. And, and we, you know, regularly will get calls in from listeners who talk about individual nursing homes. And like staff are under a lot of pressure and they're worried about their residents as well. And they know how the residents are suffering because their families can't get in to see them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, I mean, the staff have been heroic. 
uh, throughout this in terms of maintaining, I suppose, people's spirits. And we've had strong community support as well right across communities. Uh, you know, the priority is and always will be the, the safety and, and welfare of residents and staff. So, um, you know, it, it's important that we try and get back to, you know, it won't be normal in, 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 in the normal sense of the word, but uh, some sense of normality. Uh, and obviously Christmas is a huge time when, when we all visit uh, family and friends. Um, so we will be, I suppose, leaning on public health guidance and support. Uh, you know, we obviously it will be on a, on a, on a schedule basis. Uh, so we need to ensure that, that visits are managed because we can't have, obviously, large numbers at any given time. Uh, so it might not be on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. It might be scheduled, you know. Over the, the, over the Christmas week, yeah. Uh, exactly. I think we've all and got to be Tyke, what you know. about um, residents going home for a few hours on Christmas Day that has happened in previous years? Well, is that going to be a non-runner this year? Yeah, that's a huge risk, obviously, um, you know, because while on the one hand, you know, at the moment, if a person is going, for example, to an acute hospital, uh, if they're longer than 12 hours, you know, they, when they come back to the nursing home, they have to be tested again. And in some cases, it's back into self-isolation. Um, so, uh, you know, that's up for grabs, I suppose. And, you know, no more than any situation, you know, the nursing home sector and families themselves, uh, and providers and staff will be and on some occasions making that judgment call. Uh, and they've done that all the way through. I mean, I know from speaking to members right across the country where they tell me that, you know, a resident in whatever room five over the last couple of weeks, they would see that the person, as they would say, it has probably gone downhill as they would see it. They would actually ring the family and say, listen, you need to come in. And yeah. they would maybe with PPE or whatever. So, you know, the, the, the staff, as you said, know the, know the residents well. Uh, and they would be able to, I suppose, see the signs, if you like, of the requirement for a, for a, for a visit. So uh, definitely, you know, the going out for Christmas, uh, you know, will be very, very challenging. Uh, but we'd be hoping that in the next week or 10 days, we'd have very, very detailed guidance to share with our members uh, and the public. And, you know, we'd be engaging with the HSE, with the HPSC and the Department of Health around, a, I suppose, a communications campaign around that as well, just so that people know what the guidance yeah, is. Yeah, because, um, you know, I mentioned, I was going through what's the timeline expected for this week. You yeah. know, we know that the, the coalition leaders are meeting Thursday. today and then there's, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a second cabinet meeting, there's a cabinet meeting um, uh, this week and there's a second one on Friday morning. We're waiting on effort to have their meeting on Thursday. Will your organisation be consulted in any way? Yeah, we have been consulted okay. with the, the Health Protection Surveillance Centre and um, we've had a number of meetings over the last two weeks with, with the HPST on the guidance because what we've been doing is involving our own members on the practicalities of it uh, to make sure that it's, it's sensible, that it's effective uh, and that it's clear, I suppose, to to everybody in terms of the guidelines. So we've had good engagement and my understanding is that the the revised draft of the of the guidance will be probably going to NEFIT probably this Thursday. Uh, so we'd be hoping we'd have we'd have guidance by the end of the week, early next week, so that we can, you know, put all those plans into place then over the Christmas period, engaging with engaging with families and engaging with residents as well. For some residents, you know, they they, they may wish uh, on the basis of either safety uh, not to have a visit. You know, ultimately here, what we've got to do is respect. Yeah, that has to, that has to be respected as well. We have yeah. to respect yeah. the wishes. I mean, what we're looking at here is residents. Sometimes we talk about residents uh, as if we know best. Uh, you know, the person that knows best is the resident himself or herself, and that's an important element of the guidance as well. Okay, and are there many outbreaks in nursing homes at the moment, Ty? What's the latest there? Yeah, at the moment we're at fifty-one across the country, okay. which is you know a significant improvement on a number of months back, obviously. Uh, but still, you know, it's still very, very challenging. I mean, once we have uh, high levels of community transmission, the, the, the risk is there. 
Uh, I suppose the, 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 you know what we are seeing though is that uh, while the virus is, is no less virulent, uh, I suppose we're we're better informed now. Obviously, PPE and all of the measures that we're taking, and I think you know the, the clinical and, and uh, community um, and, and the medics know a lot more about the virus. So thankfully. The, the recovery rate is, is, is much, much better than on the first wave of the virus. But, uh, you know, we're still very, very vigilant and, and we need to remain that way. But look, again, just to assure your listeners that Christmas, you don't know, despite the limitations, is always a special time in nursing homes. The tree, the tree will walk probably this week if it's not up already. The lights will be on. And, uh, you know, for those who uh, want to celebrate, as it were, you know, celebrations will still, will yeah, still go on. The turkey on and ham will still be cooked on Christmas they Day will. and the pudding, will, the pudding will be lit. And are, are you will. taking and comfort? Will be had. And you, are you taking comfort from the news of the two vaccines showing great promise, Tyke? Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge, um, uh, for all of us in society, you know, it's something that we, 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 we obviously has, has happened so quickly. That's what's really been encouraging about it. Uh, and we know it from uh, I think last week the ECDC, the European Centre for Disease Control, were saying that you know those in the front line, i.e., older people and indeed healthcare workers, would be at the at the vanguard of of the, the vaccination programme. So uh, the government have already established um, a working group to to look at the vaccination, uh, and North North Comes Ireland is represented on one of those subgroups looking at healthcare workers. So look, it's 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 a it's a great boost for us all. Um, but at the same by by the same token, you've heard others say it as well, and I'll say it is that. We, that shouldn't mean we let our guard down for any minute yeah. uh, over the next uh, weeks, weeks or months, because um, you know the, the the threat of the virus is still uh, still very very much uh, present, and uh, we've seen the the tragedy in 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 nursing homes in particular as to the, the the threat of the virus. So I'd be again saying to everybody, you know, maintain the social distancing, keep stick with the stick with the program, yeah. and hopefully we'll all get through Christmas, and then we'll have uh, something to look forward to. Uh, with the vaccine early in the new year, hopefully. Yeah, you know, it's it's one Christmas and it'll be just a different Christmas, but it's one Christmas yes. so that we can have many more Christmases to come. Absolutely. I mean, that to me yeah, is, is what it's all about. Uh, and Lucy wants to know, will nursing home residents be given priority uh, when the vaccine arrives? That's what's been spoken about, isn't it? Yeah, that's my understanding. I mean, I haven't, uh, you know, it hasn't been teased out in any great uh, detail as of yet because clearly it's, it's happening almost on a daily basis, updates on the vaccination. So, yeah, and I mean, I heard this morning in the, the most recent one that it is the, the, the vaccination uh, is proving very efficient, I think, in, in older people. So, yes, my understanding is that those most at risk and indeed healthcare workers would be at the... Uh, and the yeah, the, and the, the staff early, of the nursing homes would be, exactly. would be yeah, in on that. And across the health service, absolutely. Yeah, OK, listen, uh, Tig, in case we don't speak again before Christmas, have a great Christmas. Absolutely. And, uh, it, should be, it should be remiss of me as well not to congratulate you on your turkey. That, you're, very kind. you're very kind. You're very kind. And a good few of them. You've been accommodating and, and I appreciate your... And, and best wishes to you and yours as well. You're having you. And I was just thinking, you would have... When I first started interviewing you, it was the ISPCC, wasn't it you were with That's correct. Start, yeah. That's correct. I worked yeah. with the uh, Irish Stadium Absolutely. You've been always very accommodating and we appreciate that. Listen, Tyg, thank you for that and thank stay safe. Morning. Stay safe. Bye bye. That is uh, Tyg Daly, CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, despite prolonged negative media coverage last week on gatherings both in Dublin and in Cork, and in spite of pleas from health officials and politicians, huge crowds gathered to socialise once again in Cork City Centre at the weekend. In a video shot on Saturday night by a soup run volunteer, crowds could be seen thronging Cork's 
Grand Parade and some then scattered when the Gardaí gave chase on foot. The Cork Lord Mayor Joe Kavanagh joins me. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Patricia. Joe. Uh, before you say anything, can yeah. I take this opportunity to congratulate you on your 30 years Thank anniversary? Thank you. And can you I, must have started very young. Oh, I did, yeah, a babe in arms. And can I say a thank you to you and everybody involved in City Hall for lighting up for us last Thursday. I was beyond proud. No it was terrific, it was terrific. Uh, City Hall looked lovely. Probably, it was gorgeous, yeah. it was really gorgeous. We now, have to celebrate these. We uh, do, we do. These, we do indeed. Now, your initial reaction when you saw the video footage, Joe, were you angry? Were you saddened? Were you annoyed? How did you feel when you saw it? Uh, but, uh, do you know something, Patricia? There was a bit of everything. Um, I was disappointed, I suppose, more than anything because, and I tell you why I was disappointed, because my heart went out to a couple of groups. One, the Gardaí, who, in fairness, are doing a Trojan job up there, trying to, in the best way possible, um, manage... What has what is what is fast becoming a very difficult situation in the city centre, and I suppose I, my heart also goes out to the, the 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 businesses or business community in the city centre, Patricia. You know, you you have your retail and your hospitality sector that, have, as you well know, have taken a massive hit throughout 2020. Not just in the last six weeks in the five week lockdown, or sorry, the phase five lockdown, but over the last six weeks. And right since last March, basically, they've been opening and closing and opening and closing. And you know what? It's um, the, the one message that everybody and the experts have been shouting from the rooftops, basically, is to cut your social contacts and to not to provide fertile ground for this uh, highly infectious virus to spread, particularly into the vulnerable parts of our, our communities, which which was really the case last Saturday night, and there was potential for that. And that's what disappointed me most, Patricia, you know. Yeah, one of our listeners in, in Douglas was wondering, is it the Christmas lights? Are they attracting people into the city? And maybe as a council, you should switch off the Christmas lights. But then I was thinking earlier in the in the evening, you had families out all yeah. in their own little social bubbles. We shouldn't all Absolutely. suffer because of a group of... Well, it's, it's not the families. And you know what? We welcome and we, we'd encourage people to bring their kids in and go in as families. Families are a pod. That's the term that's used. We're all getting very good at terms these days. But, you know, you have family pods that go in and many families went in uh, with their young kids earlier, early on Saturday night, we'll say between five and nine and five and eight, walking around and, you know, uh, embracing the, the Christmas atmosphere. And you know what? Christmas is a very important time of the year and God knows we need a bit of positivity in the city. But it's it's not that element of it. That really is a problem. It's the it's the it's the antisocial behaviour, the the on on street drinking, um, and and the some people came back and have stated quite clearly they felt a bit intimidated in there because of the crowds, uh, lack of face masks, lack of social distancing. Um, uh, it was just it was just really a, there was a carnival like atmosphere was another phrase that was used. So all these things are kind of flying in the face of what we're trying to do which is trying to manage, suppress, control and eventually eliminate this virus through behavioural, um, you know, aspects. But as you well know, I think it's going to be down to the vaccine, really, I think, Patricia. We're going to, and that's, not, that's going to take many, many months before we're all uh, vaccinated. But what I, I thought, I noticed was that Two yeah. of the youths, there was there was, there was some people arrested, but two of the youths have been referred to the ju- juvenile diversion programme. So there was an underage presence on the streets on Saturday night. 
parents need to stand up? Do parents know where their sons and daughters were on Saturday night? Well, of course. I mean, that, that happens every weekend. I mean, Patricia, as, as, as Lord Mayor, but as, also as a public representative, I do get phone calls on a daily basis from people in, living in my constituency in the northeast ward of the city. And, you know, there seems to be a growing concern in local communities with large gangs of young people gathering, drinking in certain areas, housing estates and wasteland and that sort of stuff is going on as well because, look... Um, I feel sorry for young people. I can sense their frustration. Um, this is going on for the best part of the year. We are a university city, as you know, and I mean, we have thousands and thousands of students. God knows this year has been a year like never before where, you know, students have graduated from universities. We've had Freshers' Week, all these sort of things, and they have been a very deflated, they've been very deflated events. Um, you know, from the point of view of celebrations and so on, they weren't able to do that sort of thing because of lack of pubs and so on. So it's led to other gatherings and concerns uh, from the local communities as to what has been going on, which is which is of which which, which will always be a concern to me in the city centre, um, you know, and it'll be concerned to, to me as well as a local representative, particularly around the suburbs of the city as well. And I know it's going on right across the county. And I know that publican Ernest uh, Cantillon in the yeah. papers today, he yeah. was making the point that forcing people uh, to squeeze their socialising into one or two weeks, uh, of course, what's it going to do? It's going to cause large crowds to congregate. Do we need the, at least the restaurants back up and running? Well, do you know what? I mean, Nobody enjoys going out for a meal or going out for a pint or whatever more than me, to be quite honest with you, and I'd love to. But, you know, people's safety comes first. And Ernest Cantillon would be one of the most more experienced himself and people like Paul Montgomery and Benny McCabe and people like that, um, publicans around the city, would know um, the do's, the don'ts and what you can and can't do and the best way to attract um, and, and control and manage the situation. I think it's about controlling and managing uh, the situation. And Ernest would ha- would be making a very strong point there. But you know, Patricia, I, I, as far as I can see, it doesn't matter what kind of a lockdown you're in. I think there's going to be crowds around anyway. So I think we have to look at ways of managing and controlling the situation as best we can and keeping people safe as best we can. And in fairness to the publicans and in fairness to the restaurant owners and hoteliers and retail outlets across the city, when they were allowed open uh, for the brief period between this lockdown and the last one, they put measures in place at a cost to themselves. Absolutely. And managed and it, it wor- very, And it's well. worked well. It's, it's really worked yeah. well. It really worked well. And, you know, please God, on Friday we'll be hearing some kind of good news, particularly for the retail uh, sector yes. and this big push, Joe, to shop local and to uh, hang on until well, those shop shops local, open. Shop safe, shop local and support your local business. And, and just one last point as well, Trish, if there's any younger listeners listening, um, I was on the phone to a, to a, to a man in the North Pole last week, yeah. uh, Santa Claus, and um, yeah, he's, he's, he's after getting all the letters from all the boys and girls and he's, he is coming. Uh, he's ready to he's ready to come on Christmas Eve and uh, lockdown or no lockdown Santa is on the way Okay, on that positive note we'll leave it Joe I just hope I, I just hope he got my letter ah, I'm sure he did you've been a good lad <laughs> listen you look after yourself okay and stay safe thanks a million Thank you, uh, good Thank you, morning Trish. to you that is the Cork Lord Mayor uh, Joe Kavanagh 1850 Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 <laughs>
for your thoughts in particularly on the scenes of people flocking to Cork City Centre over the weekend to socialise in what one person, I think she was a guard, the source said, was a carnival atmosphere. In the middle of a pandemic, lads, really. Meg says, those who are partying on the streets aren't listening to us on the radio, unfortunately, so we're not getting the message through to them. Gary and from Oasis, hi Patricia, with regards to those stupid gatherings. What are people thinking of? It's beca- it's happening in Formoy too. The guards are doing their best. As for the parents, well, they haven't a clue because they're probably drinking at home themselves. It's the norm now around Formoy, so it isn't something that's just happening in the city centre. And then you have people like me and my family doing what we're told to do by the government. It all seems useless to comply with the rules, uh, Patricia. Some Gary and Fomoy. And Gary, it doesn't keep doing what you're doing. And I continuously think of and quote Mike Ryan, you know that fantastic Irish guy who's one of the heads with the World Health Organisation who, I, actually I saw him in an interview lately, he hasn't been home to see his family obviously living, are living here in Ireland. He, he hasn't been home to see his family all year and he's putting in seven Seven working seven days a week, sometimes 12 hours a day at the World Health Organization. And he's fantastic and he appears on so many of those press conferences that the World Health Organization uh, does. It became kind of a household name, uh, Mike Ryan did at the start of the pandemic when we realised, oh, that guy has an Irish accent. Then we realised, oh my goodness, he is uh, Irish. But I saw him one day in an interview where he was asked about, you know, people who are just not abiding by the rules and regulations and people who don't don't believe it'll never happen to me and uh, how how do you deal with that and why should the rest of us abide by the rules if if someone next door isn't? And he said, don't worry about what your neighbours are doing. If they want to be stupid, if they want to take the risk, then leave them. Take the risk. You just, you keep doing what you're doing, Gary, and just give those stupid people a very, very wide berth and just look after yourself and look after your uh, loved ones. Thank you for your text. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, Group gathering and drinking also happening in the Cork suburbs says this texture Passage West Monkstown Pier Douglas a curfew is what is needed and then fines should be applied who'd be up for a curfew they've done curfews actually in other countries and talking of fines just to let people know because I know this came up on the programme last week the fines for failing to wear a mask in a shop are on a bus the fines for holding a house party or breaking any of the COVID-19 travel rules they're set to be finally signed off today so it's only from today once they get signed off can the Gardaí issue those fines so here's a listener saying introduce a curfew because if you had a curfew whereby everyone had to be off the streets by 8 o'clock it certainly would stop all of the gatherings because straight away the Gardaí could come out and say well you're breaching the curfew and fine on the spot fines would that work a listener was listening to Joe Kavanagh the Mayor of Cork City says the Lord Mayor feels sorry for young people but that's no excuse for anti-social behaviour and then another listener says I was out in a walk on Saturday the morning and I overheard a young lady saying that she had to leave the city centre as it was so crowded the night before. Her friend seemed surprised that she'd been out on the town but said nothing. The first person seemed to be boasting that she'd been out socialising, knowing that it was against the rules. It is awful behaviour. And then another person is saying, hi, oh, we need to socialise. We've been locked up for far too long. I've had to cancel a hotel booking three times already. And it's looking like I'll have to cancel it a fourth time. People are desperate, I suppose, to get out and about. Eddie from Mahan says, morning, uh, Patricia, do you think... 
Do you think that the carry-on in Patrick Street and other streets was organised? I didn't see too many drinking outside public houses. Isn't it about time we got water cannons to disperse this type of behaviour? Says Eddie from Mahan. No, I, I, I would hate to think that we would get to the stage in this country as we see in other countries led by dictatorships. We live in a democracy, but I would hate to think that the Gardaí or the army were out with water cannons trying to disperse crowds. And I sense your frustration, uh, Eddie. And I think a lot of people were very frustrated by Saturday night and saddened and disappointed and annoyed and frustrated with it all. But I don't, my gut instinct tells me, no, water cannons is not the way. It's how we get the message through. I don't know. I don't know what more we can do. I think Meg is right. The young people that were trying to get the message through are certainly not the ones listening to us banging on on the radio. And Tom makes a point when I was saying about, you know, some had been sent to the juvenile diversion programme so that that meant that they were under, there was under 18s out on the street on Saturday night saying, what about parental control? Where are the parents? Tom says a child that's 16 is allowed to move freely according to law in Ireland. So how can parents tell them that they can't uh, go out? Yeah, well, I, I assume there are some parents listening if they had a 16 or a 17 year old in the house living under your roof where you're paying all the bills and you're supplying all the food and you're educating them. I think parents do have a right to tell a son or a daughter what to do and what not to do. Now, it doesn't always happen that they will abide by what the parents are telling them uh, to do. But regardless of if it's a law or not in Ireland, Tom, I think most parents and I think most young people. Remember, when we give out about young people, it's a small cohort. The majority of young people were at home in Saturday night with, with their parents and were doing what they were supposed to be, supposed to do. It isn't every young person that was out on the street. Uh, also coming in, I'm surprised things haven't been worse with all the drinking that's going on. People are getting fed up with it all. Young people are going to school, so they are getting out and about and you see them out all the time at lunch time. So I don't see what the difference is in them drinking in the streets. They're doing it during the day, but just no alcohol involved. And then a couple of people are bringing up about what, what's been going on in RTE. Miriam and Bandon says the carry on with the RTE staff who attended the retirement party with no social distancing. Miriam says they should all be sacked. They have no business going on telly, telling us what we all have to do when they won't do it themselves. And then Dennis in Castle Magna saying the same thing when we're talking about young people gathering in Cork City Centre at the weekend. What about the staff in RTE who went to that retirement party? Is there one rule for the media and another rule for the rest of us? Our politicians are gutless. They're saying nothing about it. Well, I think they are because isn't there in Iraq this meeting with Dee Forbes, the head of RTE, has been brought before the uh, Oireachtas Committee and I know Miriam O'Callaghan has become the latest of the RTE stars to apologise on air after those photographs uh, emerged at the end of last week. Uh, she, the Miriam O'Callaghan was in the photograph with Miriam. She's pictured with her arm actually around the colleague who's retiring. I think from what I can gather, it was one of the receptionists at RTE was retiring. Now, RTE are saying and all of the stars that were in the photographs are saying that it was an impromptu gathering. It was actually in the reception area of the Montrose campus and it's there's been so much outrage about these photographs. There's now a guard the probe into the incident. So I'm assuming somebody must have rang the Gardaí 
and have, have put in a complaint about it and they want them to investigate it. So they are. So Miriam was, I think she was probably the last of the stars to come out. She said she was deeply sorry. She said, I quote, I want to apologise once more for that photograph of me failing to observe social distancing here in RT last week. It was completely my fault. No one else's. And I am deeply sorry. Now, other high profile broadcasters have also issued on screen apologies are over the airwaves. David McCullough apologised. Brian Dobson did. Paul Cunningham and Eileen Dunn. David McCullough apologised on the news on Friday evening. He said, I am fortunately one of the people who failed to properly observe social distancing here in RTE. And Brian Dobson was the first of the stars to apologise after the pictures broke. He offered an unreserved apology for his involvement in the event. And I think what added insult to injury and the utter stupidity of it was the fact that they some of the photographs were taken and they were actually standing on the very bright yellow social distancing signs that we've all come so used to. They're in so many public buildings where it clearly shows on the ground what two metres looks like so that if you do need you get unsure of what two metres looks like. You can look to the ground and oh there's the sign. You stand there, I stand here and we are uh, two metres apart. I have a mixed view. I mean, is it a storm in a teacup? I don't know. But I think a lot of people are saying because it was such high profile members, broadcasters, who, as one of our listeners said there, are the ones who are constantly telling all of us what we should and shouldn't be doing. And then when they decide to have their own little, whether it was an impromptu event or not, for those few moments of madness, they should have known better. And the only thing I can liken it to was last Friday week when we were I was celebrating 30 years on air and obviously after we came off air we had got a the company had got a little cake uh, for us to cut and we had balloons and that and we went upstairs to like cut the cake and gave the handful of people that were in the building a slice and we took a few photographs that we put up on social media and in particular myself and John Paul were, t- were having our photograph taken and we deliberately made sure we had a huge big table upstairs and the cake was in the middle, <laughs> the middle of it and we deliberately made sure that we were standing the two metres apart for that photograph and you know we were talking about the fact that five years ago when I was 25 years on air we had acknowledged on that particular day and we had a lovely programme that we did from the studios in Bandon and we everybody came live for the interviews which obviously was very different to the 30th all of the interviews that I did had to be over the phone and greetings pre-recorded couldn't do any of that live like we had planned on doing and also for the one five years ago for the 25th, we had, you know, we got caterers in and we had some sandwiches and, you know, we had cups of tea and coffee and everybody stayed around for the afternoon chatting and, and reminiscing. And we had none of that. We had absolutely none of that. I cut the cake. Everyone, the few, there was only a handful of us because the majority are working from home. We had our slice of cake and everybody, every, everybody went off because actually Nick Richards actually, I bought a slice of cake into Nick because Nick was on air and then Nick spotted me and he said, are you are you prepping for Monday? And he said, is that it? I said, yeah, that's it. Done and dusted. <laughs> we're back to getting ready for Monday again. And that was it. There was no celebration. And it was because we were kind of the pandemic in which we are living but certainly we were extremely conscious about the few photographs that were taken and we made sure in every photograph that we were social distance because we talk so much about it all the time on the radio as do these people in RT so I was I was genuinely surprised when I saw them thinking guys 
what were you thinking? Even if they took the photographs just for themselves and for that lovely young woman, or young woman, that woman who was retiring, the receptionist, who obviously everybody knows and loves. And, you know, usually receptionists in buildings are people that everybody gets gets to know because you see them on a daily basis. And obviously people wanted to wish her well. Maybe there was cards and there was flowers and stuff. But very, very stupid that nobody stopped and thought about we're a bit close together in these photographs, particularly when all the signs were there. So it's a story, whether it is a storm in a tea cup it's a story that's not going away for sure I mean we've got the Gardaí now probing the incident and also as far as I know I'm sure I heard over the weekend the D Forbes has been called before an Oireachtas obviously the communications Oireachtas committee meeting to answer questions on what exactly happened so a lot of people just simply not happy not happy about it at all but I don't know about anyone, anybody being sa- sacked over sanctions maybe 1850 333 103 Sadie and Bernie are taking your calls, calls John Paul is on a well deserved break this week you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs a supervisor wanted for a busy production facility that's in Skibbereen, while a care assistant is wanted for the North Cork and West Cork areas experience of working with children or adults with intellectual disabilities who may have challenging behaviour would be an advantage. A trainee stock person is required to work with pigs that's in the Canturk area and a full-time Sue and part-time trainee chef are required for a busy kitchen environment in Mallow. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now Cork parents Owen and Irene O'Connor are asking schools to have a no homework day in exchange for pupils doing a random act of kindness and it's in memory of their only child Beaveen who sadly died on the 16th of September this year. Mum Irene uh, joins me. Good morning to you Irene. Good morning, Patricia. Thank you so much for having us on. Well, listen, can I start by just saying deepest sympathies to you and Owen? I can't even begin to imagine what you're going uh, through. But tell me a little bit about Beaveen. She sounded like such a kind-hearted child. Yes. Um, well, yeah, she's nine years old. And um, I guess what brought the idea into her head is because during lockdown, she found it um, really hard that Everyone seemed to be obsessed and everyone seemed to be sad because she never was obsessed. Thank God she was the most happiest person despite her condition. She always was smiling, laughing. Um, she always had to have the crack. And in lockdown, there's a little forest here. There's a wood, well, a wood, small wood where we live in Riverstick. And she painted um, 27 stones. So she Pinterested um, ideas to lift people, to give positive messages. So she spent about a month painting them and doing the messages, drawing little pictures varnishing them and then she put them all along the wood to try and cheer people up during lockdown and then she came up with a really good idea for children that um, she designed up herself on the computer a little sign that said um, I'm Twinkerbill the fairy from this wood and will you please make loads of doors so all my friends and family can move in and then it just took off like because that's the only thing we could do over lockdown was the woods only two kilometres away so could, we could all walk in the woods in the evenings and children could and then the woods started filling up with um little fairy doors and they had the stones and she was just trying to help people and you know make them happy make them smile 
and this, then, from, um, this from a nine-year-old little girl? Yes. Yep. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And another thing that happened was, obviously, when it's your child, you think you think she's amazing, beautiful, <laughs> fabulous, great, kind. But when she died, I'm sitting in her bed here now, and there's just boxes upon boxes upon boxes of letters from people we don't even know, um, from children, parents in her class, children who are very quiet, our children who maybe found it hard to mix with children, that that's who she'd be drawn to. And I have pages of people saying that because of Aveen, like the children like started speaking and they were happy and, you know, that she'd made such a difference to, to, to their lives. And then we noticed ourselves, like we always thought she was kind, um, not just saying, but she never cried in her life. She wouldn't cry. She wouldn't, if you said, come on, baby, and we have to go now, she'd never be a child who'd say, no, can I say, oh, I want to stay? She'd just go, okay, or can I have five more minutes, please? And then if you said, no, we don't have the time, pad, but, but we'll do something in a minute or whatever the next day, she'd be like, okay, mommy, okay, daddy. Wow, great. <laughs> and are you getting comfort from those letters and cards, Irene? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, and at the funeral as well, people were saying things to us and, when she passed away, it was a bit of a shock. So she did have to have a very serious open heart surgery in Crumlin. It was the valve repair. Um, but she came through the surgery fine. It was, um, what happened was when they when they brought her back to ICU, a nurse suctioned her. Very routine procedure happens all the time, but it, it stopped her heart and she went into cardiac arrest and they had to do compressions on her for 45 minutes before they could get her on life support. And ironically, we spent the, the whole time worrying about her heart, but it was actually, it was catastrophic brain injuries her heart came back fine it was CPR was she was all bruised all down the back of her body it was, it was very intense CPR and it caused very serious brain damage there was nothing they could do there was no hope they had to turn off the life support because um, the CAT scan came back and it was devastating they said there's no way she can live and up until that point we didn't know she was going to die so that was the Tuesday after operation and um, she died then 12 hours later after we turned off machine at 4am on Wednesday morning the 16th of September My God and she's your only child She is yeah she's, our, she's the only, only thing we had Baby was our world and we as a family anyone who knows us personally would know um, we never left Baby with anyone because we were so worried about her like she she presented as a really healthy child None of our friends or family believed she was ever going to die. But from the day that she was born, she gave me signs. Um, so I knew when I was pregnant that that she wouldn't. That there was something wrong with the baby. And then everybody thought I was crazy. Then on the twenty-two week scan, because all the scans all the way up to that were fine, and on the twenty-two week scan, then they they told me that your baby was, will probably be incompatible with life. And that was the seventeenth of December, twenty ten. Thankfully, she was born and she did amazing. While we had her, she was the most healthy child. She, like, always did amazing in, in Crumlin. And even, like, even towards the end, as I said, she had so many friends. It was always fun. It was always the crack. She did get very breathless, so she would find ways to participate in the class. So you would never know that she was a special needs child in the class. Cause she was yeah, because I saw, I saw some of the videos that you put up online and you would look at this beautiful little girl and think, there's nothing wrong with her. You, 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 there was no outward signs that she had this congenital heart disease. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No. And she also had heterotaxy, so all her organs are all over the place. So there was potentially a lot of complications we could have with her. But we had, like, she was the healthiest heart child I knew. We had four hospital stays in our whole entire life. We had checkups every six months in Crumlin and that, that was the extent. So that's why everyone got such a shock, except me. I knew from the day that she was born that I'd have to bury her. And because of that, we we treated every... I, I only lived till the next event. So I, people, they were like I friends calling and they're talking about their children and the Debs and I'm laughing, like smiling along, going, oh, that'll be great now, please God, they'll have Debs and, and then suddenly they go, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned the Debs because Babine's not here but I never in my life thought about anything in the future with Babine, I never pictured her Debs or her wedding, it was only the next event, so it was the next Christmas or the next birthday or what we were going to do for the summer but we made everything really big and huge because I knew I had to because we had to fit her whole life into 10 years and we, we pretty much did. Like, there's very few things that I can think of that we didn't do. Yeah, you got 10 very, very precious years but it just, it goes against nature to bury your young. It just, it, re- it really does. And you're doing um, this act of kindness. I just think it's just gorgeous what you're asking children to do. But your chosen charity is the Make-A-Wish uh, Foundation that I'm assuming um Bavian interacted with, did she, the, the, the Make-A-Wish? Did she get a wish? She did, thankfully. On her fourth birthday, she won- She loves Snow White and she wanted to have her fourth birthday with Snow White. And for Make-A-Wish, um, it's not just going to Disneyland or whatever the wish is, that you can't buy what Make-A-Wish can do because you get this little pass and nobody else knows you're a wish child except everybody working in Disneyland. So you get to skip all the queues. Every princess comes up to you. There's a special place you can go to watch the parade. She had like a ballroom dinner dance with um, Snow White. So she had like a meal, like in a princess castle and Snow White came up and talked to her and danced with her. And it was just incredible. And when what happened was we had a very difficult week, obviously, in Crumlin because we didn't, didn't know she was, well, 
I didn't know she, I, I was always worried about the valve operation I always knew there was a huge risk and I spent three years telling everyone and anyone that would listen to me that I didn't think she'd survive the valve operation but it's kind of like you know when you read your horoscope in the newspaper and you read the good bits and you try to forget and pretend the bad bits aren't going to happen even though they say this is going to happen well it was kind of like that I still hoped that she'd be okay and because we got the phone call on my birthday, the 4th of September, to say the operation was next week, I took it as a sign that that's my gift. She's going to be okay. The whole worry I've had, maybe we'll get some more time with her. So when she did pass away, I was sort of expecting it. Nobody else was, just me. Um, but it was off a shock. and we had a horrendous week because they came out. Like The surgeon rang us and said she got through the operation. Fantastic. She did amazing. They couldn't expect anything better and my husband and I were in Ronald McDonald house and he was jumping up and down for joy and I said oh and I think there's something wrong and he said oh, please stop you're always worrying about something wrong come on now put yourself up come on we should go over she's waiting for us and I see you you have to smile now she's come through this operation and on the way over I saw the morgue and it was the first time seeing the morgue since I was in Cumlin and I looked up and I said to him, we're going to be in there by the end of the week and that was Friday 11th of September and he said, Irene, please stop it. Come on now, stop it. And we were waiting outside ICU and all the parents. There's quiet times in ICU, so there was all other parents waiting to get in at six o'clock to see their little babies and their children. And it was taking ages. And I said, there's something wrong. Something's happening in there. It's Baveen. And Owen turned around to me and goes, why must it always be Baveen? The surgeon just rang and said, she got you. It's a very serious operation. She's fine. She's back. She's settled. It's not Baveen. And then I saw a critical illness nurse, Kathleen, come out and I ran up and I said, is Davine okay? And she said, no, I must tell you, they're doing compressions on her as we speak. And I didn't want to collapse there and then because I'd seen other parents collapse and come in and it just puts the fear in God in you because you know that could be you next. So I said, Kathleen, please bring me to the family room. And we went in there and I collapsed there. Such a shock, such a fright. And then we had a horrendous few days, obviously, planning the funeral, bringing her down from Dublin. She's buried with my nan in her communion dress in West Cork. (laughs) And it's it's almost listening to you, Irene, it's like, it's almost like a mother's instinct. You know, the fact that you said you knew something within you knew that nobody else. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're asking, are you getting a good reaction from schools? Do you know? Are you? Great. So what happened was we had the funeral. I wanted to make it as fun as I could for her friends. I didn't want them to be sad. So we had a really nice funeral. Everyone wore bright colours. We did balloons. And then on the the Friday, actually, was the day that she had the funeral, um, a week after her operation. And Sunday was the first um, day that Owen and I were on her own and were at the grave. And I was saying, how did this happen? I can't believe she's dead. We have nothing else. And her friends are like they're they're all in the age of ten. It's a very delicate age for them. It's an age where your best friend is your world, nearly even yeah. more than your parents. It was huge. They're devastated. And I sat and I said to Owen, we need to do something. And Owen said, we'll do a website. And I said, you know, Bavine was so kind. What we'll do now is we'll get all her friends and family to do acts of kindness and we'll raise money for her favourite charity, Make-A-Wish, because we wanted to make a difference on other children's lives. And Make-A-Wish has suffered as every charity has with COVID they've suffered so much this year so we set up um, a website and a 10,000 euro target and for the first, it, we, we launched on the 16th of October which was a month a month after she died 
and the first few weeks has just got a phenomenal response with um with just her friends in school, her her best friend here in the state, Lily, her little pink lady gang, her cousins. They were all doing acts of kindness, and the money was creeping up and creeping up. And we got to ten thousand. Oh. And then what happened was um we got on the show TV three with Paul Byrne was so kind to to because they'd seen people had seen this and they were contacting him and he asked us to go on the show then and. We got such an amazing response from that. But then we went on the Neil Prendival show last Friday and we actually made like €10,000 in a day. <laughs> That's just, just incredible, from- isn't it? People are so kind and I can I can see texts coming in from people just, you know, how touched they are listening to you today and uh, people wanting to send you hugs and prayers and that people are thinking of you and because uh, it's just, I think it's the time of year as well as we're heading into Christmas and, and I know I saw you on with, with and I think it was when you were speaking with uh, Fiona, our news reporter as well, that um, Bavine loved Christmas and her birthday is in January so you've got tough weeks ahead, Irene. Well, this is what I'm going to ask your listeners to really help us with so obviously like, yes, Christmas, we'd have our Christmas tree up nearly by now because the toy show was Bavine's favourite thing in the world like Brian Tuberty she just adores him and she, we always made a big thing about everything because we every Christmas is huge like because I knew this could be our last Christmas so every Christmas sorry we celebrated it like in style with Bavine and we've so many amazing memories but this year we were going to have a really good one because we knew she'd be over operation and we had everything planned like because of lockdown Bavine had no spleen so Bavine actually went out and bought everyone's Christmas presents, all her friends' Christmas presents and wrapped them. And all the all my godchildren and all her friends' birthdays are in October and November. So she bought all of their presents and she wrapped them. So we're able to give all these kids presents that Vivian actually did herself. And we had Christmas songs changing June wrapping the presents. I know it sounds crazy. This is what I'm saying about signs. But this year, what we're going to do, Owen and I, is we're going to go down to her graves in West Cork and my cousin has very kindly um, offered Owen and I her, her the, the summer house which is right close to her grave and we will spend Christmas Day reading all these acts of kindness that's what we plan to do we have these two little chairs we had three we have baby we bought these camp chairs in lockdown and we'd, we'd go out because they couldn't go anywhere to the beach and stuff and we'd eat our picnic so we're going to bring them chairs by her grave and we're going to stay there for please God it'll be nice weather and we're going to read the acts of kindness because they're, 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 it it's lifting us so much because we've been inundated with people sending us pictures and emails so if I can give you her website please do please do please, please write down her website it's www.theheartangel.com theheartangel.com and you just and want people to post up their what they did or a little picture with the yeah. sign saying act of kindness so basically, if, if you go into that website and you scroll down to the end, there's Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So if you could please ask, your, if you have children or even yourself, if you can do an act of kindness in Bavine's name, you can go through all the acts of kindness that are happening. They're just incredible. The people are coming up with these most amazing acts of kindness. But what I'm getting is loads of um, direct emails to me from parents saying that they've actually witnessed their child for the first time just being so proud of themselves because they're coming up with giving their money and they're donate, going out and buying sandwiches and giving them to penny dinners in Cork. Or there's one which I think is amazing um, girl and she actually got um, hot water bottles 
her name's Sarah O'Sullivan and she lives in Carrigaline and she got hot water bottles for everyone in Bavian's class for the toy show because she she knew that Bavian like loved her little cuddly toys and something warm and her class are taking it very hard. People's kindness, people's kindness is is great. As I said, there's a huge outpouring of of support, Irene, for you and for Owen. And you've been incredibly brave in sharing your story with us today. And uh, I'm sure uh, Bavine is very proud of you as well, and and smiling down on you. It's just such a tough, Mm -hmm. tough journey you have ahead of you. Listen, look after yourself. Uh, We'll check in with you again, but um, stay safe. Thank you so much for having uh, us on the show. Well, our pleasure. Thank you. And thank you. Thank, thank you. you. God bless. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. That bye. is, uh, God, isn't that heartbreaking? That is uh, Irene O'Connor talking about her little girl, uh, Bavine, who she only lost on the 16th of September and people are complaining because they're in lockdown and they can't go out and they can't get this for Christmas and they can't get that for Christmas and you can just imagine uh, the Christmas that uh, Irene and Owen uh, will have having lost their only child. Uh, 1850-333-103 lines open. Just once again that website that uh, Irene was talking about in memory of her little daughter is theheartangel.com if you have children in the house who would like to do that random act of kindness in Bavine's memory please when they come in from school encourage them to get involved. The adults can get involved as well and once again thanks to Irene what a brave brave uh, mother. Uh, and may little baby rest in peace. It's just dreadful, dreadful. As I say, it goes against nature to, to bury your young. It really does. Now, Nanonagle Place, they have launched an online programme for the next three months. They launched it at the weekend. Our senior news reporter, Fiona Corkham, has been speaking to some of the staff there about the impact of COVID-19 on museums and uh, cultural venues like theirs at uh, Nanonagle Place. <laughs> We've all been quite anxious. I guess since the first lockdown was over because we had, you know, every museum plans ahead. Every museum is working on, like, the next month, the next three months, the next, over the next three years, you know. And when you can't plan ahead and you just don't know what's going to happen next, it's really stressful. So we were like, shall we advertise? And then we are like, well, maybe we won't be open because those, the lev- as the levels move up and down, you know, museums are pretty early to close. So level three and we're closed. The doors are closed. Museums and cultural venues like Nanonagle Place are deemed non-essential and so there's no clear timeline as to when they'll welcome customers again. Programme manager Danielle O'Donovan says it's a tough time for the sector. We don't think that museums are environments where people are very closely interacting with each other and in fact we got online ticketing and a kind of staggered ticketing system in place as soon as we reopened in June. So... Yeah, it's been tough and we've done everything we could to make it a safe environment. But at the end of the day, the government are going to say yes or no. So, yeah, it's been a sad time because we just love welcoming people and telling the stories of this place. And to not do that is, yeah, it's it's really strange. Museums across Cork are hoping there'll be a reprieve. We talk to each other on a really regular basis. Um, and there was some talk that the government might ease that because the data isn't infor- like isn't saying that cultural venues are particularly where the problem lies that they're actually very controlled environments but and it might be that over time and as we learn more about covid museums and cultural spaces don't you know don't have to close but 
you know, I mean, it, its impact on the arts is huge. So many people who work, you know, on the like work within this sector must be really suffering. Actress Judy Chalmers has been bringing Nano Nagel to life in an online programme for school children. This weekend, uh, Nano Nagel Place is uh, releasing a fairy tale version of Nano's story. It's an adaptation for younger children, primary school children in particular. And then this week, the children have gotten a chance to watch it in schools. And then I come on as Nano Nagel um, in full regard and they do a little workshop online. So they get to talk about Nano. They get to talk to Nano because when they see you in costume, they're convinced you're the real thing. For her, it's been a lifeline. Vital. It's, uh, you kind of feel like your life force has been drained away when you don't get that chance to interact and I'll be honest I wasn't too sure how well the zoom interaction would work but it actually is incredibly good and it's very high and the children's energy levels have been equal to be honest to if you're as if you were in the room with them and because it is presentation um, day on Saturday and it's such a hugely important day in the calendar for the presentation order um, it's brilliant to be able to bring something like this I mean this year it's been done just in Cork and Kerry schools, but I don't know, it's worked so well, I'm trying to get them to go globally next year. <laughs> Nano Nagel Place are launching an online historical and cultural programme for the next three months from tomorrow. Okay, and that launch actually happened at the weekend. It actually happened uh, yesterday. We wish the best of luck to uh, Nanonagel Place. Joan was on to us saying, is there anywhere... Anyone accepting toys that are too good to be sent to the dump and we hate to send anything to the dump because we're all into upcycling and recycling and particularly at this time of year with Christmas around the corner. I would suggest Joan have you, I don't know where Joan is contacting me from because the message has just come in saying Joan so I don't know where in the city or county that Joan is uh, ringing us from. I would say check in with the local charity shop because charity shops traditionally always accepted good quality toys because if they can sell them on the charity is going to make a, a profit out of it and, and somebody might be able to buy the toy at low price and you know children will benefit from it as well. So I would say check in with your at local charity shop and see if they I know some charity shops have stopped taking books for example but they're still taking bric-a-brac they're still taking clothes so just check and see is your particular charity shop uh, taking toys but I'm sure they, they would be delighted to receive them from you thank you for your call 1850 we're going to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way we'll be taking a look at some of the charity calendars that have come into the programme encouraging people if you haven't bought your calendar please buy a local calendar and if it all possible uh, by one that charities will benefit from as well and of course it's Monday so Annalise Drissel will be answering your nutritional questions if you haven't got your question in yet get working on it you can call Sadie and Bernie at 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp your nutritional question to 0862-103-103 This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Jane was on to us. She wants to say a huge thank you to everyone at Mallow General Hospital. Jane was a patient there for a couple of days and she said they were absolutely 
wonderful. So good to know that you're home, Joan, and hopefully you've made a full recovery and continue good health to you. But everybody at Mallow General Hospital, take a bow, please. And thank you for looking after our Joan, um, our Jane so well. And then John Amala was on to us. He is wondering, is there anybody in the North Cork area doing asphalt roofing? The reason he asks is he's got a fibreglass roof and it's leaking. So he needs a job done on it. So can anybody recommend somebody in the North Cork area doing asphalt roofing? So he wants a really good recommendation, please. If anybody can help, if anybody can help John, we have John's number and we can exchange details, etc. 1850-333-103. More of your calls coming in throughout the morning. Uh, John says on young people drinking, young people are not the only ones drinking where John lives. They're inundated with house parties and street parties. Nothing's been done about it. We have a right to live in peace and quiet in our own community, says John. But that's not happening happening on social distancing and the the witness, the scenes that we witness that people are giving out about in Cork City. Mary says, what about the celebrations after the GAA matches at the weekend? They were absolutely disgraceful as well. People are outraged over what happened at RTE, yet what went on after the GAA matches yesterday were much worse. And actually there's a number of those pictures making the papers as well from Tipperary and from Cavan of homecomings and there was well, there wasn't much social distancing going on uh, for sure. Uh, Patricia, they're not stars. This is the RTE people. Uh, they're profiles on TV presenters. They think they are stars and that's why they think they're, they are above everybody else, says this uh, texter. And someone else says they wouldn't apologise only that they were, got, they were caught, caught out by the photographs and somebody getting their hands on the photographs and then they were published. It was the Sun, I think, wasn't it, were the first to get their hands on the picture. John says, Patricia, what about the guard who was injured on Saturday night in the course of his duty? I didn't hear the media inquiring about him. I actually only discovered that this morning there was a guard they received what's described as minor facial injuries after the chase that was caught on video that has since gone viral in the the centre of uh, Cork City and we hope that he makes a full recovery and that he is okay. As I say, I was unaware of it until I read about it in the papers today. Okay, some of your texts and I can see texts coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming, please? She'll be here to answer your questions after half past 12 today. Hi, Patricia. I think the police should drive around the streets with a loudspeaker and impress on these gatherings that they need to abide by the government rules and go home. I mean, have these people any idea how the health workers are risking their lives every day trying to keep people like them alive and then going home and trying to keep their own families safe. Thanking you. And I know in Melbourne, because I have a sister-in-law who lives in Melbourne and they had a really strict lockdown, which included a curfew. And there was, out on the streets, there was police in driving around in their squad cars with megaphones. They were out during the day but they were patrolling the streets when the curfew started but they literally on a loudspeaker would would pinpoint somebody and say sort of like Oi, you in the green jacket where's your face mask or Oi, that woman in the pink jumper no, not that woman the other woman yes, you we're talking to you your face mask is not correctly. They were actually doing that and actually disgracing people out on the streets. So it worked in Melbourne. Could it work here? Why not? Shirley says, Patricia, I just got a booklet in the post from the HSC. It's entitled Keeping Well This Winter. Unbelievable that they cannot recommend taking vitamin D. The research for vitamin D is amazing. And doesn't our own Annalise Dressel always back that up as well? Anyway, the elderly in Scotland, did you know, are 
getting it free for four months, a supply of vitamin D for four months. What a country we are in. All they want to do is get people to take the vaccine when you have a simple one, like getting people to take uh, vitamin D. Rob wants to know, why are the Gardaí involved in the gathering in RTE. Uh, Rob says, it's not a criminal offence. These rules on social distancing, etc. are only guidelines. They're not laws of the land. So why are the Gardaí involved? I don't know why the Gardaí involved. All I know is it's been reported that the Gardaí are investigating, are probing not investigating, are probing the incident at Montrose that happened at that going away do. Now whether they'll look at it because obviously they've had phone calls in to say I want you to investigate what happened there. People think it's a criminal uh, offence if it isn't as you were saying Rob the Gardaí will probe the event and we'll probably come back and say nothing to see here move along but we're going to have to wait and see. Liz says on RTE they were the ones who reported very heavily on Golfgate remember back in the summer now this no wonder people are in ignoring all the Covid advice and are partying hard. Patricia I'm extremely, extremely annoyed by what happened at RTE as my husband retired during the first lockdown from Cork County Council. He attended his going away retirement due himself. I had to stay in the car while a colleague presented him with his ornament in a box and an envelope. No photographs were taken. No one else was allowed to attend and that was after 36 years of work with Cork County Council. We couldn't even have immediate family to come to the house and have a little bit of a celebration because it wasn't permitted we were in the first lockdown. So shame on RTE. Didn't they learn the lessons from the golf debacle? It's not looking like they did. Hi Trish, will the hazel tree be open for dancing at Christmas? My gut instinct would say no. I've seen no signs that there would be any sort of places for social dancing or places where large groups would congregate. We'll wait and see what gets announced this Friday. But my gut instinct would say that dancing and nightclubs, because it would all fall into the one, I can't see them opening any time soon uh, to be honest and John Inclan says what do the government expect all the people telling you what you should do and shouldn't do and they're the ones breaking the law and social distancing themselves at the end of the day it's up to every one of us to obey the rules ourselves it's clear now according to John that lockdown isn't working wait until next week when things open up and retail is back up and running and if they allow restaurants to open crowds will be everywhere a school kid could tell Neffet that and that's from John Inclan who I'm assuming would like us to remain in level uh, five. What is the matter, says this texture? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Obviously, there is absolutely no common sense from the gov- government coming down. If I were to open a pub or a restaurant, then I would have to provide bathrooms for customers' use, etc. Why are the pubs and restaurants allowed by the government to sell takeaway drink and yet there's no public toilets readily available for them. So if alcohol wasn't available, then you wouldn't have scenes as we witnessed in Cork or other major cities during pandemic times. Well, can I just say the in the scenes that were witnessed in Cork, and it was the same last weekend in Dublin and in Cork, not everybody was getting takeaway drink. Some were. I mean, I did see in some of the photographs you could see people with takeaway pints, but others were bringing drink with them. It was like they arranged, oh, we'll meet up. We'll meet up on the Grand Parade and sure, I'll bring a bag of cans and sure, you bring a bottle of wine and make sure you have a wine opener or a screw-off bottle with you. And people just brought their own drink. They went to takeaway, they went to off licences. 
or to supermarkets wherever they buy their drink and just bought it themselves so it isn't all down to the sale of uh, takeaway drink and someone else is saying a curfew is what is needed everybody in after 9pm except people who need to be out to work are out for essentials fines should be given to anyone found in breach of the Covid restrictions a curfew is the way to go. 1850-333-103 Some of your calls uh, coming in. And hi Patricia, this is something completely unrelated to COVID but certainly worth giving a mention if you are at the moment organising Santa Claus lists or you're buying presents for children. Uh, Ella writes to me, said Patricia, I listen to your programme nearly every day and I know that you are taking things seriously. The reason I'm emailing you is because recently I took part in an online cyberbullying event organised by the primary school that my child is attending. One of the topics was online gaming. I want you to review a game called Grand Theft Auto which is very popular among teenagers. The game is full of violence. It's not only showing how to steal the money, it's also showing sex scenes and how to kill. I would really appreciate it if you could make parents aware of this as the game is very disturbing. The game is in the 10 most popular games bought as a Christmas present. All I want is to make parents aware before they would purchase this uh, game. And this, um, says Ella, and obviously Ella has been unaware of Grand Theft Auto before, saying that her child is coming of age where, where they they may need Grand Theft Auto. While I got that email in during news, so I just did a quick Google search on Grand Theft Auto because I've done interviews many years ago about this particular game and I thought it was on the market for about 10 years, but I'm wrong. It actually, the very first Grand Theft Auto came out in 1997 and I would say it was possibly the following year. It was about a year out when we had somebody contact the programme who was buying, went into a gaming shop to buy Grand Theft Auto and she was buying it for her 10-year-old nephew. She asked her nephew what you want for Christmas and he said Auntie could I have Grand Theft Auto please uh, um, the, for whatever it is the Playstation or whatever you play it on and she said fine no problem I'll go in and I'll buy it so she went into the shop to buy it and luckily the guy in the shop who was serving her said are you buying this for yourself and she said no 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 I'm buying it for my nephew and he said what age is your nephew and she said 10 and he said I would suggest you go back and get something else for your nephew because Grand Theft Auto is rated 18 plus and it's rated 18 plus for and I'm reading this from the actual Grand Theft Auto itself Uh, Grand Theft Auto 18 plus for strong bloody violence very strong language strong sex references nudity and drug use so it is not uh, suitable it's not appropriate for anybody under the 18 under the age of 18 but that does not mean that there are not 10 year olds out there playing the game so just be aware of it if you've never come across it before or your son or daughter is looking for Grand Theft Auto and you are buying it be aware of the nature of it and you see you know a child will get that game and play it in their room and parents are probably completely unaware of the scenes on. and it is a game it is like a cartoon but there are very very strong sexual references and strong uh, sex scenes uh, in it and, and scenes full of, of violence it, it's quite a disturbing game but Ella is right, it is one of the most popular games, but it's actually been going since 1997 and it's still as popular as the first year that it came out. And I know the last time we did something on it, because we did it again a few years ago, because another parent was t- t- didn't realise what it was about and went to buy it and again found out from somebody else, I think, before she went to buy it, she was buying it for her 12-year-old old, uh, son. And then she discovered that her 12-year-old had been playing it when he went to visit his friend's house because his friend's parents thought it was okay. So if your your children are going to different houses outside of lockdown and they're playing, you need to check 
is the other household allowing grand theft auto and then you could have an older or somebody over the age of 18 who has it in the house and a child is getting their hands on it. So be aware of it. So I'm only too glad, Ella, uh, to mention it. Grand theft auto. Be very, very careful if you are purchasing it for anybody under the age of 18. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. St Vincent Paul are experiencing a high demand for their services this year and they're appealing to the general public to support their online fundraising and also local collections. Their annual card draw is taking place again and tickets priced at €5 each are being distributed to every household. Please return the tickets, stubs and the money to their office on Tucky Street in Cork R. You can purchase the €5 tickets online at the St Vincent de Paul website. And Can Talk, a support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. Their group now continues online with support meetings held every Tuesday evening at half past seven. Attendance is free, but booking is essential. Uh, Tomorrow night, the group will be meeting for a time for tranquillity. Full details are available on their website, which is cantalk.com. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, we put a shout out last week to anyone that's involved with charity calendars to please try and send one of the calendars in to us with details of where the calendar is on sale, etc., so that we can let people know the wonderful, wonderful charity calendars that are available this year uh, because we know charities have been so badly affected uh, since lockdown last March and all of the traditional. Traditional fundraising efforts have all stopped and charities are really, really struggling. So, you know, I think most households, we all need a calendar. So if you're getting a calendar this year to please try and go out and support a local calendar and ideally a calendar that has some kind of a charity nature to it. So some of the calendars we have received, this one actually just arrived this morning. It's Dogs for the Disabled, who are just a wonderful organisation. They are accredited to the Assistant Dogs International only charity of its kind in Europe that provides dogs to children and adults with physical disabilities. 80% of the clients are children living with severe physical disabilities which impact their independence and social interaction and a partnership with one of these highly trained dogs is life changing and as you can imagine a charity calendar for dogs for the disabled is made up of month after month after month of the most gorgeous photographs of dogs and little puppies. It really is gorgeous. And down the side of every month, there's a little bit about the work and about some of the children that they've helped. And there's some photographs of some of the children with their dogs as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful calendar. They're priced at eight euro. All the money from the sale goes straight to the charity because they've managed to have the calendars sponsored, which is fantastic, by CR Print. And the calendars can be bought online at dogsforthedisabled.ie. They also have Christmas cards at five euro per pack of uh, eight. And thank you to Noreen O'Connell who writes to me and sent it in to me from Sally's Cross in Canturk and she's hoping to have the calendars on sale in Canturk after the 1st of December. So keep a look out for those. Cove and the Great Island calendar for 2021. This has been sent in by Father Liam Kelleher. All proceeds to help update the heating system and install the new lift at St. Benedict's Priory in Cove. And they, Father Liam is selling the calendars with a suggested donation of five euro and inside wonderful and anyone who knows Father Liam will know he's he's a great man with the camera he's a great man to take photographs and there's just gorgeous uh, cat. Like there's a beautiful picture on in January of Belle Valley Castle and then 
also uh, beside that is a lovely picture of Sonia and uh, Gillian O'Sullivan taken in Cove. And then there's gorgeous pictures of wildlife and the Bible Garden at the Benedictine Priory. Stunning photographs of flowers. It just is. It's page after page. And then what I like is on every month, there's a kind of a little thought for the day, uh, like from Dr. Zeus. Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes memory. Isn't that? That's from Dr. Uh, Zeus. And one from Ella Fitzgerald. Just don't give up trying to do what you really want to do. Where there is love and inspiration, I don't think you can go wrong. So that's the Cove and Great Island calendar for 2021. And thanks to Bill Power and the gang in Mitchellstown, St George's Arts and Heritage Centre that we featured on the programme this year in the big fundraising effort there. They have brought out a calendar with proceeds going to the restoration work. And what's lovely about this is when you open up the calendar they have the restoration work. They've got photographs of the restoration work and events that have taken place like last year we were talking about the fantastic Christmas market that they held at St George's unfortunately that won't be happening uh, this year but they've got great pictures taken of the restoration work and then inside month on month just stunning photographs from long ago like for example in February they've got a picture of King Street in Mitchellstown in the 19th century King Street at several shops and small businesses as well as many tenements the view from its Western End was uh, terminated by the Catholic Church Marked House and New Market House and New Market Square King Street now has one surviving traditional shop front, two pubs and is now primarily a residential street and this photograph shows from a postcard taken in 1910 how different it was and there's a picture of the railway, the Mitchellstown to Formoy Light Railway, which opened to great excitement in 1891. And it was a, a venture that was hugely successful. Unfortunately, then it officially closed down in 1961. There's a photograph of, I take it, that's the man who worked at the railway back in 1914. So that's the Town calendar for St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre and that is available locally. Don't see if I see a cost on that or not. There isn't. And then one of my favourite ones every year is the one for the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind. They never leave us down with their stunning, stunning calendars. Again, a little bit like the Dogs for the Disabled, the Irish Guide Dogs is just full of their own guide dogs are puppies and it's just beautiful and, and again on every month little message at the end just telling you about some of the work and talking about some of the people that have benefited from the work of the guide dogs and of course they do assistance dogs uh, as well so another really fabulous diary from the Irish uh, guide dogs and they are on sale they're 8 euro for their calendar they normally do Christmas cards as well so I imagine they've got Christmas cards uh, on sale as well and you can go to the Irish guide dogs uh, for the blind to their website if you'd like to purchase uh, any of their calendars this year. And there's so many people commemorating events from 100 years ago, a little bit like what we were talking about with the, with the massacre in Croke uh, in Croke Park, the 100 year massacre that was remembered this weekend. Here, this has come in from Christy O'Sullivan, chairperson of the Clonmult Ambush Commemoration uh, Committee. And they have done a calendar that I have to say, 
I was reading this at the weekend. It's not often you read a calendar. It's like a history lesson. It's it's a really, really unique publication and it's informative. It's beautifully illustrated and it's an illustrated account of the Battle of Clonmult in East Cork. And of course, the 100th anniversary of that is coming up on the 20th of February. Senior serious historians along those with a passing interest in modern Irish history and all in between will find much to whet their appetite for further reading and inquiry. First hand accounts by those who lived through the War of Independence from 1919 to 1921 are accompanied in many instances with their photographs, biographies of the various local settings in which the drama of the war played out. The reader gains insights into the gritty realities of guerrilla warfare as experienced by the people in the civilian population of East Cork and beyond. And the publication of this calendar is on sale and it's available for purchase. Dungorny Post Office, the Co-op in Mogili, the Greengrocer in Castle Martyr, Barry O'Neill's Killer, Tom English's Connor, McCarthy News Agent, Hurley's Supervalue in Middleton, uh, Glanbia in Castle Lines and Tallow. And you can go to their Facebook page if you can't get it anywhere there, the Clonmalt Ambush site. And they are pricing that at €10 Euro, and they will post it out to people as well. Obviously, there'll be a bit extra for post and packaging. That's the Battle of Clonmalt, a commemorative journal but it is done in the form of a calendar. Very clever, very, very clever. And then Bantry and Beira have a, have a really delightful 20, 2021 uh, calendar that's been sold by the, by the um, Bantry Development and Tourism Association. And it's photographs that were all taken during lockdown and it's bright and it's colourful. And it's it's an absolute delight and you sort of you look and you think, yeah, we'll get back to fine days again when we'll be there's one of like the market day in uh, Bantry and we'll get back to days when we'll be busy and we'll, we'll be holidaying and we'll be staycationing and, and we'll have day trips. And when you look at how glorious Bantry looks, you'd say you just you want to jump into some of the photographs. You don't want a photograph really is like actually some of the photographs I had to look at them and say, is that a painting or is it a photograph? They're really they really are incredible and they were taken out actually by um, Eileen Eileen O'Shea who took them during lockdown. Well done, you've got a great eye for a photograph, Eileen. Anyway, that's, uh, that is on sale in Bantry and surrounding areas and as I say, it is a fundraiser for the Bantry Development and Tourism Association and the calendar is entitled Bantry and Beira 2021. Now if anybody else is involved with any sort of charity calendars, as I say, get them into us in between now and Christmas. We'll do our best to try to give as much publicity as we can and let people know that your calendar is on sale and hopefully sell an extra few for you. 1850 Let's turn our attention to Annalise Dressel, a nutritional therapist. If you've got a question, you can contact Sadie or Bernie. They're taking calls or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And Annalise Trussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining me on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And Actually, I did text in earlier, so I must say that to Annalise. They were talking about vitamin D and just, you know, the evidence is there about how important vitamin D is, particularly during the winter months. And they were talking about some leaflet that the HSE has sent out about being winter ready. And she was disappointed that 
vitamin D wasn't actually mentioned in this leaflet. And she said that in Scotland, they've done so much research about vitamin D that all people over the age of 65 have been given by the Scottish government a free supply of vitamin D for the four months taking them over the winter. I know, Patricia. And it's such a a cheap way of keeping people healthy throughout the winter. And it's a big thing for the winter blues as well, you know, which we often get here in Ireland too. People definitely get a dip in the mood. But I have to say now, it's probably a combination of not people not meeting as many contacts, of wearing the masks and hygiene, but they're, um, and taking the vitamin D, but there are far, far less coughs and colds around this time of year than there would have been in the past. So whatever it is, it's working. People are healthier than they were this time last year, in my in my view. And how much vitamin D do you need to take? So, see, you can store vitamin D in your liver, and we do store some from the sunshine in the summertime, but I do think it runs out definitely by October. So I think for most healthy people, a 1,000 IUs is plenty. Um, but if you're very, if you're prone to getting the winter blues, if you have IBS or if you're celiac and you have a problem with absorption, Take a higher dose. You could take up to 4,000 IUs a day. But beyond that, I would consult with your doctor before you take a higher dose. Because as I said, we do store it. So you don't want to overdose on it. Okay. All right. Straight into questions. And this is one that seems to come up week after week after week. Uh, Mary has raised it today. And I saw two other texts in as well. Uh, Your suggestions for what to take after COVID. Mary actually said that she caught out something last week, but she just didn't get to uh, to write it down. But others who are now starting to recover from COVID... uh, um, it's the source of life, isn't it, you're suggesting? Yeah, I think the source of life gold is a fantastic tonic because it has everything that a normal multivitamin or a normal tonic will have in there, but it's lots of extra herbs and mushroom extracts and superfoods that boost the immune system and also give you a bit of an energy boost. And I also think for anybody post-viral, be it COVID or shingles or a bad flu, I think the olive leaf extract is wonderful just to help your body shift the last remnants of the virus. Because they're saying that people are catching COVID a second time. But Patricia, I'm wondering, is it just that they haven't actually fully gotten rid of COVID in the first place? Because that does happen that the infection and the virus can remain um, and not fully, you know, leave the system. And it can flare again if you're tired or run down. So something like olive leaf extract is wonderful just for helping that virus. Um, capability of your own immune system to get rid of it for good. Okay, hi, question for Annalise, uh, please. Would taking a vitamin C with zinc supplement affect my haemoglobin levels? The reason I ask is I've had blood stone and my haemoglobin levels have dropped and I've been put on iron. I'm just wondering if the zinc, could that be affecting my iron absorption? Well, all things will compete for absorption. And when we do take them in food, they tend to come together. So they're all um, being, you know, they're all competing at the same time with each other. It's like a kind of a fair playing field. If you take a very high dose of anything for a long period of time, it could potentially push out other uh, minerals. But the vitamin C actually would be very good to improve your ability to absorb iron. So that would outweigh any disadvantage by giving iron an advantage for absorption. So um, I think that it's quite common to be um, low in iron, especially with the guidelines if people don't eat a lot of red meat. Um, you know, then I think three times a week really probably is enough for red meat and that should be enough to give you plenty of iron. The other reason your haemoglobin could be low, maybe nothing to do with iron as well. Of course, Patricia, could be down to your B12 and your folate. So I think rather than just take an iron supplement, make sure that you're getting the B12 and the folic acid or the folate in there as well because all three of them work together to make your red blood cells and your haemoglobin's um, oxygen-carrying capability. 
So take them all at the same time. Hi, this is a listener in the Formoy area. Question for Annalise. Does Annalise have a solution on how to get rid of, is it vitiligo? Vitiligo on my face and neck, please. So vitiligo is where the pigment of the skin um, decreases in certain parts of the skin so that you get um, a lightening of the skin. I think that's what it is, Patricia. Okay. Right. And really, I suppose there is actually no magic answer for that, either medically or naturally. I mean, in terms of supporting the health of the skin, um, I'm a big fan of the fish oils always to kind of work at a very um, cellular level to keep your your skin cells healthy. But with the tiligo, it's a pigmentation issue. So, um, I mean, beta carotene can be wonderful for preparing your skin and the pigment in your skin from damage from sun. But again, vitiligo is nothing to do with sun damage. It's more of, I think it's nearly like an autoimmune issue. So again, I suppose... Yeah, it's caused, I've just Googled it. It's caused by a lack of pigment, um, melanin in the skin. And actually, yeah, I I know exactly what it is. There's a really famous model. Gorgeous looking girl. And she she has it really bad. And Michael Jackson also suffers. That's right. That's right, yeah. Absolutely. So um, I, I think the beta carotene is probably good just to protect your skin from the sunshine if pigmentation is going to be an issue, but it's not going to do anything to bring the skin colour back again. So I think it's back down to the omega-3s really as, as the only thing I could think possibly would help. And maybe there is some kind of herbs, Patricia, maybe other practitioners might be aware of it, but I think it's a matter of restoring the pigment and that only comes from healthy skin. Um, so again, the fish oils, I think, for just basic healthy skin. Okay, hi Annalise. I've been told my parathyroid glands are dead. What way will this affect me? I've been told I don't produce calcium. What would you suggest? So now, it would be very unusual that your parathyroid would be completely non-functioning. So your parathyroid gland is a gland that's responsible for a number of things. I mean, it's responsible for sending signals to your thyroid. It's also responsible for sending signals for um, the absorption of calcium in your blood. So, um, sorry, into your blood from your diet. So it helps us um, absorb calcium from diet. It kind of controls that whole process. Um, And there are other things your parathyroid gland would do as well. So I'm not, like, I think, I mean, you definitely need medical intervention if that's the case. You would need to go to an endocrinologist and you will need medical intervention because otherwise your health would be on the ground. But if you do, some people do have issues with parathyroid that affect their calcium and it can be overactive where they absorb too much or too little. So ultimately your... um, major health issue with that with the calcium would be osteoporosis if you're not getting enough calcium or you might be at an increased risk of um, gallstones or kidney stones or hardening of the arteries if you're getting too much calcium. So again, you need medical intervention there so make sure you go and see an endocrinologist about that. Carmel says, question for Annalise please, could you recommend a good calcium and vitamin D daily supplement for osteoporosis thanking you? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, the latest research, Patricia, is that we shouldn't really be taking very high doses of calcium in the diet because it can increase your risk, as I said, of kidney stones, gallstones. And also, if you've got high cholesterol, it will increase the likelihood that that cholesterol will harden and form a plaque in your arteries. So the newest research is showing high level of calcium supplementation increases your risk of heart disease. So I would much rather a supplement that has other things that are very important for building bone, like magnesium. Vitamin K is hugely important when you're taking it with vitamin D and calcium. 
to make sure that the calcium is actually put onto the bone where it needs to be and that it's managed well within the bloodstream. So a, a basic one that I like, and it's a really good value one, I have it in the shop and I sell a lot of it, is the Nature's Plus, And it is all of those things. So you get calcium, magnesium, vitamin D and vitamin K2. But another lovely one is a BioCare Osteoplex. They do a really nice one as well. And that's got a few additional things like vitamin C in there for your collagen matrix to build a lovely elastic, healthy bone and boron as well, which is really important. Your health shop, local health shop, would be able to um, give you good advice there. But make sure that you're not taking a massive high dose of calcium without the vitamin K2 and vitamin D together. Clonakilty wants to know, is taking boron three milligrams for a few years now for arthritis, is it safe to be honest for it's about 10 years? So, well, boron, again, this is getting back to kind of taking a high dose of, of anything really, Patricia. These things do compete for absorption. So I think if you're getting a huge benefit, it's always risk versus benefit. The risk with taking a high dose of boron over a long period of time is that you could potentially be making yourself deficient in other minerals. It's unlikely, but it is a possibility. Um, if it is really helping with your arthritis, then the risk is definitely out, or the benefits are definitely outweighing the risk. But if it's not helping with your arthritis, I think it'd probably be a good idea to give it up for a couple of months of the year, maybe do a month on, a month off, if you really want to stay on it. Hi, my 13-year-old daughter has suffered from spots on her forehead. It's been going on for years now. I recently heard it could be because of poor digestion. Any advice, please? So... I suppose reading the face, Patricia, is a kind of a, a, a system whereby you look at, you know, what's going on on the face and you make you can kind of say various different organs in the body aren't working. Typically, we, with acne, we say that if it's around the chin area, that's very hormonal. Um, some people would say if it's around the forehead area, it could indicate um, poor digestion. And around the cheeks, rosacea as well is typically um, linked with poor digestive um, ability. So what I'd recommend in that case, if you, I mean, other signs of poor digestion would be difficulty digesting meat. So when you'd eat red meat, you'd feel it would sit there for a long time. Um, difficulty digesting protein. So the na- your nails would break very easily. They'd be very brittle. Uh, constipation, bloating, a feeling of fullness or a feeling of nausea after eating fatty foods. They would all be indicators that your digestion wasn't working. If you don't have those, I'm sure your digestion is probably working fine because there's lots of other reasons why you would have spots on your forehead. But if you have all of those other symptoms, it would be good to take a digestive enzyme with some stomach acid in there to help with protein digestion. And I know that Salgar do a lovely one, as do Viridian They um, and Quest. All three of those brands will have a digestive enzyme with acid in it as well. Okay, one final one, Paula. Uh, anything I can take for endometriosis, the pain every month is crippling. Yeah, so endometriosis is where cells migrate from inside the womb to outside the womb, Patricia, and they respond to the hormonal changes along with the menstrual cycle and bleed. And over time, well, obviously the bleeding outside the womb there causes huge pain. And over time, it forms scar tissue and you can get adhesions where the ovaries and the fallopian tubes will adhere to the tissue surrounding and also to the bowel. So it can be very, very painful. Diet is a big part to play and there seems to be a big link with insulin. So I think that getting a a nutritionist to help you with um, a low carbohydrate diet would be a good start. And then there are supplements that you can take that can help. Again, the fish oils are wonderful natural anti-inflammatories. So definitely include those. 
And there is a product by a company called Wild Nutrition, which is called Endocomplex, E-N-D-O, Endocomplex. And there are nutrients in that that are very good for helping with hormone balance and helping as natural anti-inflammatories with endometriosis. So you could try that. Okay. But the key there is diet, Patricia. Okay, and I can see somebody's, uh, there's a couple of questions in actually on menopause. Uh, we will deal with uh, that next Thanks. week on the programme. Okay, listen, Anise, thank you for that. Thank Have a good week. That's Anise Drisel, the Health Hub, Times Square in Ballancolly. That's where we wrap it up today. Thanks to Bernie and to Sadie. Nick Richie for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow. Ten, but- Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.